Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome to another podcast of Loving the Christ Life. We have a wonderful program lined up for you today. This is even getting more and more interesting by the week because this week, Warren Litzman is going to be doing part one of a series on dispensations, and no one explains it better than Warren. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren Litzman. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want Renee to come. Some time ago, I started using children to read my text. And you'll see it on Church in the Home. I use a child if they're there and and haven't done it. And she's the only child here, but she often is the only child here. And I want Renee to read our text for us, if you will. Turn to Ephesians 3 and verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you were how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Amen. Thank you. This is a text that I have used several times in this, what we'll call a series of messages on dispensations. In our precept upon precept set of tapes, which uh, number 150, I have a long teaching in there, several different uh, DVDs on dispensations, and those took place a good 20 years ago. And people in this day have not heard much about dispensations. I had always hoped that the Bible would catch on with those who preach it and teach it. But that hasn't happened. The dispensations are periods of time that God set aside to work through one or more persons to bring about his revelation. The first dispensation was with Adam and Eve called innocence. The second dispensation was consciousness. The third dispensation was human governments. The fourth dispensation was promise. Fifth dispensation was the law. We now are living in the sixth dispensation, which is the dispensation of grace, which our text brought out. The seventh dispensation will begin with the millennium. All seven of these dispensations are now proven to be failures by human beings. Not a single dispensation worked out right. Not a single person God dealt with worked out right in any dispensation. Can't say that though, because we're in a dispensation now that 
is working a little differently, but this dispensation of grace is a failure, and we'll talk about it today. Adam and Eve failed. They had the true word of God right from God's mouth, and they failed. Cain and Abel started a new dispensation, and that dispensation lasted a long time, but became the most riotous, wicked dispensation in the whole of the scriptures. They failed. The dispensation of human governments was a miserable failure because it finally depended on Noah. God expected Noah to start a new world with all of the truths of his revelation borne by Noah. But Noah couldn't stand it. He got drunk, became a drunkard, and he started a world that was different. Abraham failed. Because in Abraham's first call, God sent him into Canaan's land. And he never got there. He camped on the border on the wrong side of the river. And he died there. Even though he's called our father of faith by many, he was a failure. Dispensation of law was dealt with by Israel. And Israel was nothing but a nation of failures. Didn't matter who was ruling the reign in the 1700 years of the law in the Old Testament. The dispensation of grace was God's next attempt that human beings would be what it was he needed them to be. You can look back in these past dispensations and see the many good things some people did. You see the many wonderful people who did please God. They were not the leaders. They were sometimes little people. But he always had people who loved him, people who lived after him. But it wasn't until the dispensation of grace, a dispensation which started at the cross. For the dispensation of law and the dispensation of grace, both one ended and the other started at the cross. This dispensation we're in has been going on over 2,000 years in God's plan. But this dispensation, as it appears now, is a great failure. This dispensation began in its message with the Apostle Paul. He is the first that God gave a message that fit this dispensation. <laughs> Sadly, those who preached. <laughs> from the cross to Paul, which is possibly 14 to 16 years, we're not for sure. They still preached law. The New Testament writers still preached law. Peter, James, John, all preached law. 
they commingled it. So there was no pure message for our dispensation until the Apostle Paul was called by God. In my years of preaching about Paul, I have labeled him with several different things that would have made God call him. But I have to say that his calling depended greatly on the message God would give him. For in all past dispensations, they had a message. They had what I call a gospel. And I hear preachers say there's only one gospel in the Bible. They couldn't be more wrong. Certainly Abraham had a different gospel than Noah had. Certainly the children of Israel under law had a different gospel than anyone else in the Old Testament. So each time God began a dispensation, he began it with a new group of people. But failure was always the answer. Our dispensation of grace, if it should end today, will have been a great failure. For out of born-again Christians, there's less than 10% who preach Paul's message. That's a great failure. God gave a message that was to rule and reign in this dispensation. But 90% of the preachers, good preachers, blessed men, many of them men of God, mix it all up. Create a different gospel by mixing law and grace together. You'll find most preachers today spend much of their time in the Old Testament because they do not know the gospel that belongs to this dispensation. Which means that multitudes of people who have accepted Christ and actually have Christ living in them because there is no other salvation. Romans 5 and 10. We're saved by his life in us. They still don't know the gospel. So I've taken time in my study to go back through this again and kind of bring it up to date because easily in the last 20 years I haven't talked about dispensation very much. Just here and there. But I felt like in these past few weeks it needed to be reviewed because I'm having more and more people to come to me and say, well, I just don't understand the message of Christ. I just don't understand this business of Christ living in human beings. I just don't understand this grace. We don't need grace. We need more law. The world is wicked. That's what happened through every dispensation. Somebody came along and said, no, it needs to be this way. It can't be God's way. We need to add this to it. We can't just take what God has given us. And that's exactly what's happened in our day. They don't preach the word for this dispensation. We are a special group of people living at a special time and we were given a special message. 
we were given a special apostle. No other apostle belongs in the dispensation of grace. They all turned it down. Only Paul is the only one to whom God gave a message. More about that as we go along. So in our text, we hear Paul saying that he is God's messenger, his apostle, with the message of grace. Grace is often shunned and criticized by preachers today because they don't know the message. They flat don't know it. I got a lot of books in my library. Most of them written by theologians. And theologians do not know the gospel of grace. I have very few books that deal with grace. Those that talk about grace are sort of uh, rebels. You have a one evangelist here or some preacher there that writes a book on grace. They're rebels. What they're doing is coming against the tide. But coming against the tide is not what God needs in this day. He needs the gospel of grace preached. So what is grace? I can give it to you in simple words. You can do nothing to please God. It is only Christ in you that pleases God. That's the foundation of the gospel of grace. Think about it for a moment. We've talked about this hundreds of times. Why are there a hundred and sixty statements in Paul's epistles alone that say, in Christ? Why? Because that's the message. There is no other message. Paul stated it more than anybody in the book. So you can't mix him with anybody else. He knew something that nobody else ever knew. He did something that nobody else in the book ever did. Because he is the apostle of grace. His words in our text today, read by Rene, is that he is the apostle for this dispensation. We didn't pay any attention to him. I've been preaching for over 60 years. And most of those years, I paid no attention to what Paul had to say. I just included his verses along with verses that came from Abraham or somebody else. So the people didn't get the gospel. They hear preachers every service talk about grace, which is something the preacher doesn't know anything about. Because he hasn't settled in his own teaching. I, know, I can say that because I read their theological books. They don't know what grace is. Grace is mentioned over 700 times in the Old Testament. And any Bible scholar knows from the Hebrew that doesn't mean that God will do it for them. It means it means mercy. Mercy. It translates mercy. God had mercy on all people until the Apostle Paul was given the final gospel. He had mercy on them. He healed them. He set them free. He delivered them. You talk today about 
the troubles and trials we're having. There's no remedy for that because God isn't straightening out every little detail of our life. He's not raining food down out of heaven and so many people, I'm told, need food. He's not healing all the sick as Jesus did in any one place. Then what is God doing in grace? The moment you were saved, God cohabitated with you in an act of love and put his sperm, his seed in you, which was Christ. God said from this moment on, when you're saved, I will not depend upon you anymore. I depended on multitudes in the first five dispensations, and they all failed. But in this dispensation, I am not depending on human beings. They would fail me again. So I'm going to take my one son I love, my own seed, and I'm going to put it in every believing soul. And I'm going to rebirth in them another life. I do not intend for them to live their Jewish life or their Gentile life or their Irish life or their German life or whatever. No, sir. I'll not depend on those that accept me as Savior anymore. I will depend on the seed that I put in them. That's the gospel. That's the message humanity has been denied. We run around trying to bring back Jesus of Nazareth and Abraham because they did so many wonderful spiritual things. But that's not the gospel you need. That's in God's word. And every word of God is good. But not every word of God is to you. It isn't to you. It wasn't intended to be to you. What Abraham did was not intended to be to Moses. What Noah did, his message to start a new world was not intended by, to be lived and preached by Abraham. If we could go back to those days, we wouldn't find Abraham trying to get something from Noah for him to live. Noah became a drunkard. Are you getting what I'm saying? This thing burns in me. I won't be able to do much about it in this world. But those who listen to me have got to know what the gospel is. They've got to know where our gospel started. My gospel is not in the Beatitudes. That's law. My gospel didn't come from Jesus of Nazareth. He preached law and said in his closing words to his disciples, remember everything I've taught you out of Moses' law. And it's time that Christians wake up to see what it is God is doing and how He's working in this generation. He's not saving. He's not healing people everywhere. He's not performing miracles everywhere. 
I preach in other parts of the world, and they say, well, how come the tsunami hit Thailand? How come uh, those people down there lost three million in the last flood? God is not saving people like that. He's saving them by another life. Are you with me now? He's not saving you. He's, he's done away with you. I can give you the time and the place when your life ended. It's in the cross. When he said it is finished on that cross, your old life was finished. Romans 6 and 6. Knowing this, that our old man, our old life was crucified with Christ. So you don't exist anymore as you think. Your family doesn't exist anymore as a family. Your ethnicity doesn't make any difference anymore. What makes difference is a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We don't have many creatures today that are new. We've got a lot of creatures but we don't have any new ones. Not very many. You know why? Because that part of the gospel is not preached. They say if a man comes down to the altar in the church and accepts Jesus, he's a new creature. Not necessarily. Until he knows that it isn't his life that was saved. It wasn't his old habits that were corrected. That isn't what the new life is. The new life is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Christianity. We got very few Christians living in this world, but we got a lot of people wearing the tag. I don't mean to be so critical today, but I want your attention. I want you to see this. There is no other person in this book, the Bible, who has a message for the Gentiles but the Apostle Paul. Listen to me now. You can search the scriptures till your eyeballs fall out and you'll not find an Old Testament or law apostle prophet or preacher who has a word for the Gentiles. You and I were completely left out of everything Abraham did. We were completely left out of everything that happened when the flood took place or at the Tower of Babel or at Israel with all the miracles she had. We were not included. Our term, Gentiles, is not to be found if you search and search in the Old Testament. We only came alive just in time to die at the cross. <clears throat> no other writer has a message for the Gentiles. I preach the Old Testament and there are a lot of wonderful things there. And I still preach from the Old Testament. 
but I give nobody life out of it. I tell nobody about a changed life from reading about the things that happened to Old Testament saints because they don't know in the Old Testament anything I know in my dispensation. They don't know a word about it. They don't know a thing about it. And so what the preachers do and what I did for many years, I take something wonderful. You take you take Abraham. I preached I had over fifty sermons on Abraham. And I had him doing everything Jesus of Nazareth did. I'd had him doing everything Paul said. I just mixed it up good. But you know what happens when you co-mingle the scriptures? You have created a poison. You have created a poison. You have taken something that didn't belong to you and you've mixed it with something that is pure, holy, and righteous. Another gospel. But the average preacher will never tell you there's another gospel. He's scared to death. He cannot preach Paul's message because he's stuck with his words. I preach the whole Bible. Sure he does, but you can't live that. In fact, in most dispensations, nobody lived what God gave them to live. Nobody lived the message. I've often wondered what happened to Noah's six children. He and his wife were told by God she want to start a new world, and God gave them a message to start a new world. I wondered what those kids did. But at the end of it, it ended with the world being ended in the most awful confliction it's ever had. So five times in your Bible, God started over again. Until he came to Paul. And Paul would say definite things. That only the man in Christ is a new creature. Paul's message would say, We are not chosen for the things of the world. We're chosen for spiritual things only. It doesn't hurt us to live in this world. We're here now because we have failed in telling the world what the true gospel is. We failed. We keep building churches and great temples of failure because we're not preaching the right gospel. I meet in this room because I'm looking for people who are interested in wanting to know God, wanting to know their Bible, wanting to know what this dispensation of grace is all about. In 1960, I was in the big healing ministries. I had a big tent, seated 3,000 people. I went from city to city telling them what God wanted to do for them. But the more I went in that ministry, the more burdened I became with what I was doing. For multitudes of people 
were just like the people Jesus ministered to. At the cross, there was no Bartimaeus. At the cross, there was no little woman who had an issue of blood and was healed. At the cross, there was none of these people Jesus dealt with. At the cross, there was just a little handful of believers. His mother was there. John, the apostle, was there. We don't know who else was there. But there wasn't any of the people he delivered. There wasn't any of them. Three people raised from the dead. There wasn't a one of them there. What was it? It's just like it is today. People are seeking after health, prosperity, blessings. But nobody wants to live for God. I watch these long lines of people come up, and that's what bore into me. Are they living for God? I preach a good message. Did any of it take hold? Come to find out it didn't take hold. All they were there for was to get their miracle. They were there to be healed. Just putting a reflection on them, telling you how it affected me. And that's what put me to study. One day the Holy Spirit said to me, You're seeking the real Jesus. And I want you to go into Paul's epistles and hear what he has to say. Well, by that time, I'd already taught the epistles in college. I thought I knew every word that was in the epistles. And I could almost tell you at that time the verses before and following some important scripture. Preached and taught the epistles. But I never got the message. I never got the message. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought that's just just like uh, Habakkuk. That's just more scripture from God. i got to find something good in it. But I argued with the Holy Spirit on this basis that I already knew the epistles. But the, the voice wouldn't leave. Study the epistles. So I took him up at it. I started reading the epistles under a different anointing. And when I got to the end, the first time of reading through the epistles, I knew two things I had never known before. After all my study, after <coughs> by that time I taught in two different colleges, I learned two things. I learned that Christ lived in me regardless of what I thought. that Christ in me, the hope of glory, was there whether I preached that or not. He was in me because he was in every person that had accepted salvation. God has no other salvation than Christ living in people. Get it in your head. 
It's the most often written thing in this book. And 90% of God's children have missed it. I look for the next Bibles that come out to take out every statement where Paul says in Christ. They've taken out a bunch already that were in this message. I look for more to be taken out because they're dumbing down humanity to build the big temples and keep people away from living another life other than the churches, the denominations, or the preacher's life. So I learned about my life being saved at the cross. That's where I was saved. I hadn't accepted it, but that's where I was saved. I didn't know what all was in the life, but it was there for me and would be there throughout eternity. Just reading through, I came to the greater facts. So Christ in me has made the difference. I'm not a very good explainer of him, and I'm not a very good liver, liver of him. A lot of people need a liver transplant. <clears throat> but I do have it within me that I've got to bring people to this understanding. you got to know it. It isn't that I fight the churches. I had a big church too. I had a college of my own. I had everything a preacher could desire. So that's not what I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to get people to hear the voice of the Spirit about Paul's message. He is my apostle. Peter is not my apostle. Strangely, the 120 on the day of Pentecost continued in law because that was attached to Pentecost. Their scripture came out of the Old Testament. And they kept on being in the law. I started preaching Pentecostal. I preached the law. I didn't know it was dead. I didn't know it died in Christ. I didn't know that every single scripture that embraced the law was dead at the cross. And I had picked it up and was carrying it like everybody else. We'll stop right here, but pick up next time. Dispensations, isn't this interesting? And Warren does such a great job explaining it. I myself was a little confused about it when I first started learning about the dispensations, but Warren straightened it out for me, and I know he's doing it for you too. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to go to our website, christ-life.org. That's where you'll find all about the In Christ Message, the Christ Life Fellowship, and you can get your own materials absolutely free to start your own home In Christ meetings. It's terrific. I do it, and it's been a blessing. Hey, we'd like to thank Robbie Litzman, of course, for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. 
Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes, and this program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.